Hey, everybody, before we get to the show, just want to mention that we've got a Be That Lawyer live marketing mavericks coming up on September 28th at noon central. We've got some of the most amazing legal minds, uh, Eric Olson, Jared Correa, Guy Sakalakis, and Jocelyn Brumbaugh, all coming to answer your toughest marketing questions. Uh, you can sign up on our events page on fretson.com. Hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am Steve Fretzen. Hello, hello. How's it going? I hope you're doing well, and I hope that you are working every day as a lawyer to live the best life you can. That is on health and wellness. That is on your time management, your ability to grow business, your ability to take care of clients, all of the stuff that you're hearing on this show every single week, twice a week, and to help you be that lawyer, someone who's confident, um, ambitious. Wait, I just screwed up my tagline. <laughs> what is it? Confident? Uh, what is it? Confident? Oh my God, this has been a very long day for me, Heidi. Heidi, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. See, I told you, didn't I tell you I was going to make a fool of myself like right now? Authenticity is where it's at. I just mentioned that to you. Confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Holy mackerel, what a mess. All right, everybody, listen, it has been a long day, but that's all right. I'm going to bring up my game. I'm going to, I'm going to let Heidi do most of the talking, I hope, because she's the one that's got everything to share today. But, um, Listen, we we want to have some fun today, and that always starts with our quote of the show. And first of all, Heidi, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're with us, um, and we're going to have some fun today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right. All right. You can give me a hard time, too, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> we're screwing up already. So your quote of the show, and I think you happen to be um, you happen to be a fan of you, too. That's what I'm gauging from the things that I've picked up so far, because I'm, I'm very observant, is don't fear the world. It isn't there. Yes, it's a lyric from a song. So Bono sings it, and I'm a huge U2 fan. In fact, it's uh, it's almost a problem. It's it's a huge huge aspect of my life. I can work a U2 quote into basically any public speaking engagement. <laughs> nice. Uh, but that quote really means a lot to me because as as a law student, as a construction litigator for 15 years, and as a law professor for the past 14 years, I have wrestled with a lot of fear, extreme public speaking anxiety. And when I first heard that song and heard that lyric, it, it just reverberated in my head. And, and Bono uses it as a quote, as a, kind of a flashback to like his mother who died when he was 14. Basically, those words echoing in his mind, she would say, you know, don't fear the world. It isn't there. And to me, that I don't know what it, it really means to Bono or the band, but to me, it means we conjure up all these fears and let them really run our lives, which I did for really three decades as, as a professional. But when we peel back the layers of fear, what we really think we're afraid of isn't actually there. And I'm a big fan of tangling fear. I actually wrote a book called Untangling Fear because I don't like the message, just, just fake it till you make it or pretend fear doesn't exist. I think we can peel back the layers of fear and often figure out that what, what we think we're afraid of isn't actually what we're afraid of. And then once we dig down to what we really are afraid of, then we can work with that. Yeah, it's really great and, and so true. And there's a, an acronym in sales for fear that's been around forever. And you, you know it as well as anyone, I'm sure. It's false evidence appearing real. 
or something of that manner. And, you know, it's like all these things that we fear. And after we get done doing them, like roller coaster, you know, killing a spider or public speaking, we go, you know, that actually wasn't that scary. Ultimately, I'm still here. I'm okay. I'm still breathing. You know, so what was I really so afraid of? But that doesn't matter in the moment, right? In the moment we're paralyzed, you know, with, with, you know, there's a spider next to me or whatever it is. Exactly. And then until we have the time and take the time to do the work to untangle the, the fear, until we do that, we're just going to keep feeling that fear. And so I, I also don't like messages like feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, I, I felt fear my whole life and slogans like that didn't help me in the slightest. It was only until I really stopped trying to fake it and instead listen to my body, try to understand what was happening and the connections between my body and my brain and my emotions. When I started doing that, that was just revolution. Yeah, that's fantastic. And in, for everybody listening, Heidi Brown is uh, not only a three-time author, but she's associate dean at New York Law School. And would love to, I mean, you gave us a little bit of a flavor of your background in construction law leading into your, you know, working at the school and all that. Give us, give us that background leading into your Be That Lawyer tipping point. I'd love to, for the audience to get to know you a little bit. Absolutely. So I grew up in Virginia. I went to UVA for undergrad and law school. I was a really quiet but good student in college. I, I loved college. I was studying all these different things, and I was never the student with my hand in the air, but I, I did really well in, in school. I loved researching and writing. Went straight through to law school at the age of 21. Had no idea what I was doing. My dad's a minister. My mom's a piano teacher. <laughs> And I don't have that that sort of gregarious lawyer personality. But, you know, I got through law school. The performance at law school really gave me a hard time, but I, I loved the research and writing aspects of it. Sent out 100 resumes because my, my grades honestly weren't the best in law school, not like college. But I landed an amazing job at a law firm that just happened to specialize in construction litigation. So here, this quiet kind of mousy girl, you know, 20, 24-year-old at this point, was thrown into the fray of these high stakes, like $80 million litigations over power plants and football stadiums and baseball stadiums, hospitals, et cetera. So again, really honestly, 15 years, I practiced law in this hard hitting environment. And I loved figuring out my clients' problems and solving problems, especially through the art of but every time I had to go take a deposition or go negotiate a big contract or negotiate a settlement court, that performance anxiety and fear would just, again, rattle me. I also have a very robust blushing response. You might see it on screen today. And it's something I can't control. So back then when I got really nervous, my face bright red and the guys across the table from me, back then they were all guys usually, can see it. And they just went for it. And that just tried to, you know, throw me off my game and it worked. So really my tipping point in this, for 15 years, I practiced law. I, I worked at a firm in Virginia, moved to New York, worked in big law for about a year, and then switched to become a chief brief writer for a small boutique litigation firm. And I had moved out to California to work on one of our cases, which was a big power plant project. And out there, I got the opportunity to start teaching legal writing because legal writing was my specialty. Loved writing briefs. I, that's what puts me in a state of flow, you know, that awesome state when you just kind of lose all sense of time and space. Feel great about what you're doing. So anyway, I was teaching legal writing for the first time, walked in the classroom as a professor for the first time. And again, I was nervous. I thought, what? why am I so nervous? I, you know, I have tons of experience in this. But what I observed over that first year of teaching 
was that my best legal writing students, my most creative thinkers, creative problem solvers, most thoughtful about the words they put on the page, were also the students who would confide in me and say they were scared. They were the most afraid of being called on, you know, cold called in class in the Socratic classroom. They were afraid to try out for these kind of intense, aggressive, competitive teams, moot court teams, trial teams, et cetera. That was a tipping point for me because I realized, wow, I don't want my students to go through the 15 years of stress and anxiety and fear that I did. Why don't we start figuring this out? So that really led me to start figuring out how to sell first because I realized in that year that I'm an introvert. I was always taught that that was a weakness, which I now know it's absolutely not. But the tipping point was really diving into scientific research, distinguishing between introversion, shyness, and social anxiety, because those are three totally different things from one another. And then that, to, uh, well, I, I wrote the first well-being book called The Introverted Lawyer. That then led me to do a deep dive into the science of fear, which led me to the second one, Untangling Fear and Lawyering. And then to dig even deeper in the science, I went back while I was working and got a master's in applied positive psychology from University of Pennsylvania. And I started to understand the science of flourishing and wrote a book called The Flourish. That's what I have to say. Yeah. That's quite some journey. My Look. journey in academia has led me, I just left a position where I, that I held for seven years directing the writing program at Brooklyn Law School. And I am now excited and reinvigorated to be the associate dean for upper level writing at New York Law School so I can create whole new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Just awesome. And, and I, I do work with a lot of introverts in particular, you know, mo mostly a lot of IP attorneys and folks that write love the engineers and that love the, the detail oriented stuff. And it is, it is, it's a very different sort of person than the extroverts I work with that the litigators and the, the folks that love to get up and, and run the trials and everything. So talk to me about the introverted lawyer and introverts in general. And I think you mentioned the difference between like introverts and people that are shy or anxiety. Like, I'd love for you to break that down a little further. Introversion is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So I'm glad you asked. My entire life, because I was quiet and kind of loved to read and write and research, um, I didn't know that I was introvert, but people would constantly tell me, oh, just you know, be louder, be more assertive, be more aggressive. Even in my mom, who's a total extrovert, you know, we my in growing up, my family would be sort of put up in front of the church, and my brother and I would be expected to talk to everybody. And we're like, we don't want to do that. <laughs> but I thought there was something wrong with. Me. And in law practice too, like I loved figuring out the problems, and I loved creating these matrices for negotiating these complex contracts, and I loved crafting these really intricate briefs, but I was never the first person to speak in a meeting. And I, I was never, the, like, I was a little, my objections during depositions, things like that. So when I started researching this, I realized, wow, introverts bring a tremendous number of assets to every interpersonal dynamic that get completely overlooked. So the difference between introversion and extroversion are basically in the way that we process stimuli coming at us and also in the way that we replenish energy. So introverts process competing stimuli um, internally. So we are really good listeners. We can listen to, you know, eight people talking in a meeting and be processing all that. 
but we don't want to jump into the fray until we've kind of vetted and tested our our ideas and theories and solutions to problems internally, and then we take it externally. Whereas extroverts do that processing out loud. So in our American society, it seem like extroverted people are much more engaged or smarter or more confident. But in reality, it's it's not an even comparison at all because introverts are doing this deep thinking, analytical thinking, really methodical thinking because they want to get it right. And quite often it's the introvert in the room because they're such good active listeners, they're able to piece together a lot of chaos and produce an answer if given the right amount of time that really can change the entire game. So when I was researching this, I, I realized, okay, it's time to call attention to the assets and strengths that introverts bring to lawyering. And then also because you know, we don't have the luxury to sit around behind closed doors and never speak. We can learn how to amplify our voices, but authentically. My entire life, I was told, pretend you're an extrovert. To me, that's like telling a dog to be a cat or a cat to be a dog. You know, why? Why can't I be a quiet, thoughtful human being as a lawyer and then speak? I will be so prepared that you will not even know what hit you. Yeah. <laughs> I you know what? Which- go back and redo all those awful depositions. Uh, if, we all, if we could all go back, you know, if we could all go back, we always, you know, want to fix stuff. But um, I, you know, thinking about the clients that I work with that are introverts and what I love about working with them is they're hungry for proof and evidence, yes, but they're also searching for process, methodology, systems that are going to take away the guesswork, right? Well, what is business development? Most people are figuring it out on their own. They're winging it. And that's not, it, you tell me if I'm wrong, but that's not an introvert's jam, right? Yeah. But if you say, hey, step one, do this, say that, let's make it you know, in your own words so that you feel even more comfortable. And they're just like, yes, that's exactly, now I feel comfortable. And then by the way, once I do it and I see that it works, now I have that evidence and proof. Now I'm, now I'm bought in 100%. I agree with all of that. And, and so what I like to try to empower introverts to do is to be able to say that out loud, that if someone's pressuring us for an answer or we just need to speak to be heard, you know, to get on, on the list of people that have spoken, that's, that's not effective for us. So we need to be able to say out loud, hey, I'm still processing this. I, I need five minutes or I need a half an hour. I need two days. And when I get back to you, I'll have thoughtful, you know, methodological um, solution to this to this problem. But I do, as an introvert, I need that processing. And you asked me to kind of distinguish between introversion and shyness and social anxiety. You can be a completely confident introvert and really like social engagement, but to replenish energy, you need to retreat. You know that you hit a wall and you need to retreat. Like I can go out and give public speaking engagements or go to conferences, et cetera. But when I hit my limit of peopling, <laughs> I need to be alone. And I know that about myself. Shyness and social anxiety is totally different. That's fear. Again, that's that fear word, fear of judgment, fear of criticism. Now, I grapple with that, too, because I kind of grew up in kind of a, a shame-based culture. So, but that's a different animal from being an introvert. You do not, you're not necessarily shy or socially anxious, which is a more intense version of shyness. You're not necessarily shy or anxious. If you're an introvert, you might just be a quiet thoughtful person as you described. Yeah. 
As you all know, finding amazing employees can be the toughest job for any law firm leader. You deserve to run the law firm you've always dreamed of, but you can't get there without a great team. To get staffed up, they will help you by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time, offshore executive assistance, legal assistance, marketing assistance, and much more. The best part? They will find you a highly qualified English-speaking VA based in Latin America for only a fraction of the cost locally. At Fretzen, we use Get Staffed Up for marketing person, and you know how good our marketing is. Learn more at getstaffedup.com slash be that lawyer. Hey, everybody, check this out. You've just had a call with a client where they need help with something you don't do. You've reached out to colleagues, you've searched the lawyer directories, and you simply tell them you don't know anyone that can help. Overture changes all of that. Overture is the first private attorney network designed for the country's best independent attorneys to refer matters to one another and ethically share in referral fees. It's a great way to keep your clients happy and build your practice with referred clients. It's by the founders of LegalZoom. Membership is free if you're accepted, but act now to get priority access to referrals for your state and practice area. Apply for membership at overture.law, overture.law.law. Lawyers, there's an easy way to boost your law practice. Partner with Get Visible, the digital marketing agency that makes you stand out. Meet Sarah, an awesome lawyer, but a terrible marketer. Get Visible helped her build a powerful website and boost her online visibility. Now she ranks high on Google, gains clients through ads and engaging content. Tired of feeling insignificant? Make it rain. Visit GetVisible.com and stand out. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about how Money Penny is changing the game for lawyers who are losing business every day and may not even realize it. It's impossible to provide amazing client service when you have phone trees, voicemail jail, or untrained staff handling your phones. Every inbound call could be a new client to intake properly or an opportunity lost. With Money Penny, it's all but insured. The call will be handled exactly the way you want it every time. To take immediate action on this, Write down this email and start your free trial. It's svj at moneypenny.com and just mention my name in the subject line. I tell people that when I was younger, you know, in high school and college, I was actually shy with the girls, if, you know, and, and I'm an extrovert through and through. There's nothing about me, right, that you're going to, anyone's going to identify as an introvert, but that was fear. That was absolute fear of rejection, fear of, of you know, whatever. And it happened to me plenty. But that being said, like, but, that that dip, that that explanation is so helpful to me and to others that think that you know they're the same thing when they're not right right and it's good for introverts and naturally quiet people to understand the difference because we label ourselves too because we're used to being we're used to all those labels being kind of lobbed or lumped together but if we can realize oh hey i'm feeling this right now because i'm an introvert and i'm not ready to contribute to this meeting because i haven't processed all this yet versus, oh, I'm scared about what that person's going to think. Or for me with the blushing and all that, you know, I, I was worried about being judged or criticized by my opposing counsel or, or my clients even. And, and that's different. That's a different thing we can work on then. You know, and I'm just remembering back that, you know, you, you people were trying to change you or be more like this or be more like that. I mean, what was the worst advice that you received, you know, around introversion or being an introvert? I mean, just those those kind of trite slogans or messages, fake it till you make it. I have been just practice, <laughs> practice and prepare and you'll be fine. Just do it. Like just put on your awesome pair of Nikes and bungee jump into Socratic bliss. 
None of that works for me. It works for some people, but for me, fake it till you make it. I can't fake it because because when I blush, it's so obvious. Yeah. But the only thing that worked for me was giving myself permission to finally reject fake it till you make it. Mm. Reject stuff like just prepare and you'll be fine. No, I'm sorry. I was always prepared. That was not the problem. <laughs> the only thing that worked for me was rejecting those slogans, treating myself like an athlete, but honestly, for the first time or a performer, like, you know, I'd really admire performers like Bono. So treating myself like an athlete and performer and getting to know physicality, what was happening in my physical body when I get nervous or stressed or anxious. It was only until I started doing that, that I was able to really channel all my introverted power into something productive and and effective. Well, and it probably helps too that as an introvert, you're highly prepared, right? I mean, there's people that can fake it till they make it, but they're not prepared and it generally doesn't come out well. But when you're like, I'm so over-prepared for a presentation or for things that I'm doing, you know, not for this, this podcast a little bit, I'm, I'm prepared. I think, you know, the mo- the notes I have and everything, I'm not over-prepared, but I'm prepared enough where I know we're going to, you know, get everything out of you that I can in 30 minutes, you know, that I want to get out of you to make it a good show. But is that kind of the, one of the key assets that introverts have? Yes. And I, you're absolutely right. I mean, we we are prepared. We're, we take we listen, as I mentioned before, and we take a lot of notes, and we tend to process. So so we're prepared because we we process. What I had to train myself with the anxiety piece, though, layered on top of my introversion, was to actually prepare a little bit less in the short period of time leading up to a big performance. I was actually over because because I'm an introvert. But on the performance level, I had to learn through my process, my processes, that making myself practice over and over and over again, leading right up to the minute before I'm about to go do something was was ineffective. For me. It right. was reducing my performance power. But I didn't know that. And I was following everybody else's advice. So to me, introverts can can honor their preparation. But if if you're an introvert that also experiences performance anxiety, start tweaking your system a little bit in the hours or the day before leading up to the big arena, because you might actually be overprepared. Yeah. It, it, that, and then the quote, um, perfection is the enemy of good, comes into play. And I've, I've given introverts assignments, like um, we work on a business plan. That's like the first thing I do with a new client is we put together a marketing business plan of like how they're going to spend their time and energy to build business. Right. And so I go through enough of it to like say, all right, now, you know what I need from you, go do it and schedule it a couple hours to do it. And they overthink it and get into their own head about it. And th- then they start second guessing and they eventually come back to me and say, I need more time to like work on this or I need more time like that. Can you talk me through this again? I go, of course, you know, not a problem, but but I noticed that that happens, you know, on a, on a fairly regular basis. It definitely happened. used to happen to me a lot, too. So I had to set up part of this work that I've done on myself is set up kind of rituals or routines or scripts, even that when I start to get in my head like that, I have to catch myself and or, and then walk myself through my my new script. OK, you're, you're prepared for this. Let it go. Now move on or you get or sometimes I'll say you get five more minutes to worry about that. <laughs> I love that. You give yourself the, that's it. Um, (laughs) Wow. All right. So I have to ask, you know, you're going through the, the, um, 
the introverted lawyer and then the one on fear and anxiety and then the one that now you've got the flourishing lawyer. So it's like this whole journey that you've been on leading into the flourishing lawyer. And A, talk about that book and like, what is that really covering? Because it sounds like, I don't know if it's the end of the story, but it sounds like it is like that's that's where everybody wants to be. Started <laughs> at the end of my story. But um, but yes, it's sort of the culmination of everything that I've learned through this process, because I started with introversion. I did a deep dive into the, the physical science of fear or the physicality of fear. And then when I got my master's, it was the first year of the pandemic. I learned about this. What is really the concept of flourishing? And it's it's not just hedonic well-being, which is, you know, hedonic or hedonism feeling good. It's it's what they what the positive psychologists call eudaimonic well-being. The EU is the Greek root for good. And what that means is functioning well. So what it means to flourish as a human being or as a lawyer is to set up, again, kind of like an athlete or, or performer, set up systems that help you function well, even when you hit stress and anxiety. So it's not pretending stress and anxiety and fear don't exist, but instead knowing that our jobs are hard and we're going to, our lives are hard, we're going to encounter them, setting up these systems like athletes and performers do for multidimensional fitness to practice law. So the book really kind of takes 10 different dimensions of well-being and performance because I, yeah, I think the pushback I get a lot with law firms or law firm managers or, you know, people that worry about the bottom line is, you know, hey, we don't have time for this. <laughs> but but what I'm trying to do is say, no, we do, because athletes and performers don't just focus on the one skill that brings them glory on the field or on the stage, right? They have coaches and trainers and experts that that help them multidimensionally stay fit for their sport or for their whatever they do and performing. So the book kind of takes 10 different dimensions of, of well-being that tied of performance and happiness and getting meaning and purpose out of our lives as lawyers. If we want to do this for 20, 30, 40 years, you want to actually enjoy it. So the book just kind of is the culmination of a ton of research of experts that know what they're doing. Uh, I learned from them and then putting it together in, in a practical manual, really, for for people who have busy lives and busy jobs to work on some of this stuff incremental, not flipping a light switch and we're all going to be happy, happy over and healthy overnight. But it's a process. I like process as an introvert. So to me, the book kind of stalls out a process that a lawyer athlete or a lawyer performer could undertake realistically. Right. So let's let's unpack that for another couple minutes as we as we kind of wrap things up in the next five. What are a couple things that you talk about in The Flourishing Lawyer that would be something that someone's listening to right now that they could like take action on and, and accomplish, you know, this year or, you know, that 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 would be easy to to work on, you know, without having to read the whole book, although I would recommend people go grab it. You know, one one great place to start, which really got me excited about this, is you know, I, I want us as a profession, you know, we all have to satisfy character and fitness evaluations to become a member, right? I don't, may have been a long time ago for a lot of us, but my students have to fill out this form. But we don't really talk that much about what it means to have character, what it means to be multidimensionally fit for practice. So one thing that I highly recommend people to do, it's, it's part of this whole get to know ourselves thing. Remember Socrates' mantra was know thyself. There's a great scientifically validated assessment or survey that was created 55 scientists 
got together in the, the Values in Action Institute on Character and designed this survey. And it takes 15 minutes. And what it does is it gives you a report of your 24 character strengths, which these, these scientists, historians, and philosophers studied and then chose 24 character strengths, so strengths, but also these are character strengths, situated within six virtues. And you get this report, and it's so illuminating. It tells you what your top five signature strengths are. And, your top, and it ranks all 24, but I want people to do this and, and focus on your top five. Because here's how it's, it's helpful right now. It, the top five are what Dr. Ryan Nemec, who is sort of the guru of character strengths, says have the three E's. They energize, excite, and come easily for you. So they energize, excite, and come easily for you. Then you take a look at your lowest strength. And, and you might be a little bummed out or disappointed or shocked that you're at your lowest strengths. I shared with you, I've been leading a team for the last seven years. Guess what my lowest strengths are? Leadership and teamwork. And when, and when I look at my top five, they're perseverance, zest, curiosity, creativity, and love of learning. That is so neat. And they energize, excite, and come easily for me. Leading a team doesn't. Guess why? Because I'm an introvert. Doesn't mean I can't do it. But it, this, this VIA character strength survey to me is so helpful for us as lawyers to understand what gets us out of bed in the morning, what gets us excited, energized, and comes easily for us to make us completely awesome at our jobs. And what are the aspects of our jobs that we, we're being paid to do? Like we're, we're all leaders in some way. Um, some of you might have pops. For me, I had to realize, okay, that's why on, on a Thursday, if I have a bunch of team meetings, I'm exhausted. But maybe I can schedule my workday differently. So I don't let it de-energize or deplete me. So I'm just suggesting that as a tangible thing that anybody listening could do to get to know yourself or do other sort of self-inventory activities. And don't look at it as kind of like touchy-feely, whatever. It's actually scientific stuff that we can use to make us better at our jobs and develop a shared language and vocabulary around our strengths. Like, I think introversion is strength. Let's start talking to each other about stuff like that on our teams. And that just gives us more knowledge, self-knowledge to help us be much better at our jobs, perform like athletes or performers, and enjoy the practice. Yeah. Well, very cool. And I, I so appreciate you being on the show. Let's wrap things up, if it's okay, Heidi, with uh, your game-changing book, which is A Flow. Yes. So I mentioned um, Dr. Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi wrote uh, a book called Flow. And I also think it's so important for anybody listening to figure out what aspect of your life do you feel like you experience that athlete feeling of being in flow? And that's that's when the challenge in front of you, you know you've got the skill to handle it. So challenge and skill kind of settle into this equilibrium and you lose all sense of time and space. And for me, that's writing. And so when I read the book Flow, I finally understood, oh, okay, when I'm writing, when I'm in my apartment, you know, surrounded by all the things that I love and I have three hours to just write something I'm really excited about, that puts me in a flow state. But me going to court or depositions, that never, again, a huge piece of information I wish I'd known, you know, 20 years ago, because I could have cultivated more environmental circumstances to help me be in flow more often. So I love that. Yeah, very cool, people. Check that out. And as we wrap up, I want to thank our sponsors. Of course, we've got Money Penny. We've got Get Visible and Overture.Law. Check them out. 
And of course, Get Staffed Up uh, was helping people hire highly qualified English-speaking VAs uh, for a fraction of the cost. And if you're interested in picking up my book, Sales Free Selling, it is now free for you as a download on my website by going to fretson.com slash sales-free-selling. And Heidi, if people want to reach out and get you know get in touch with you, if they want to pick up your books, I mean, there's introverts listening right now that are chomping at the bit to figure out which one of the three to get. How do they reach you? How do what, What's the digits? Absolutely. So I've put all this information, a lot of the stuff that I talked about today on my website, theflourishinglawyer.org. I'm now also reachable at New York Law School. It's heidi.brown at nyls.edu. But you can also email me at heidi at theintrovertedlawyer.com. And I'm, I love hearing from people about your stories. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and all that. Yeah. Well, very cool. And thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, this is so incredibly helpful and I think refreshing for, you know, 50% of the legal community that fall into that, into that introverted, you know, side of things. And um, I think it's just an important topic. And I was just so thrilled that you were willing to come on the show and kind of share that wisdom and your, your insights and expertise in this, in this arena. Really great. Thank you. It was awesome to meet you. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, for spending some time with Heidi and I today. Another opportunity to help you be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. I nailed it on the second shot, ruined it on the first, got it on the second. I'll take it. I'll take what I can get, right? But anyway, everybody, great to have you, on the, you know, with us. And uh, take care. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer. Life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.